you in mind. Bibles, if you will, Song of Solomon this morning. Song of Solomon, chapter number two. And uh, be a little bit different, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I've just had this on my mind all week this week, probably a couple of weeks, to be honest with you. And uh, I told Brother Kenny yesterday, uh, I was talking to him a little bit, I said I didn't realize when it all started uh, how deep some of this went, especially how controversial some of it is, and uh, we'll deal with that here in just a few moments, but just want to do my best to keep up what on my heart, and uh, try to be a blessing to you this morning, all right? Song of Solomon, chapter 2, when you find your places, stand with me to get an able in honor and reverence to speak of the word of the Lord. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible said, I am the rose of Sharon, and the lily of the valley. As the lily among thorns, so was my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so was my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Verse 4, the Bible said, He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Stave me with flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rolls and by the hinds of the field, that you stir not up, nor wake my love, till he please. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I should love you this morning. Lord, I pray to help us as we look into your word together. Lord, I don't know the hearts. Lord, I don't know the needs this morning, but Lord, I'm glad that you do. Lord, I'm not sure why you've got this on my heart the way that you do, but Lord, I'm thankful that you've placed it there. Lord, I realize there's a purpose. There's a reason for it. Lord, I pray you meet every need. We'll pray your word. Accomplish that which you set forth for to do. But we'll be careful this morning. Give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name and for his sake. Amen and amen. You've been seated. And thank you for standing. Now, uh, Song of Solomon is an interesting book within your Bible. Uh, very controversial. And we've talked a little bit about that in the past. I'm not going through all that. Uh, if, in fact, John is even disputed. Uh, highly. Now, I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just giving you some background. Uh, there's many that even dispute whether it ought to be in the canon of Scripture at all. And uh, we may look at that later, but of course we know it's Scripture. We know it's inspired. We understand that. Uh, I'm not asking to doubt your Bible. I'm just letting you know there's much dispute about it. And Michelle, what makes it so complicated? I told my wife yesterday, uh, I was talking to a preacher friend of mine. I told him Nancy we were preaching through uh, Revelation. He told me, he said, man, I, I couldn't imagine trying to preach through the book of Revelation. And uh, I, I told Kendra yesterday, I said, to be honest with you, uh, the thought, uh, I've enjoyed going through the book of Revelation. I'm looking forward to going through the rest of it. But John, the thought of preaching through the Song of Solomon absolutely terrifies me. I'll be honest with you. It's a very uh, complex book. It's complex. What makes it complicated is this. Uh, in fact, I, I had all week, for the last couple of weeks, I've had chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 3, just had it on my mind, on my heart, and when I got 
to dig it. The question is this, what makes it so complicated? Song of Solomon is a series of love letters or uh, love songs, if you would, love poems that are written between two individuals. And uh, what makes it so complicated is you've got to decide who's right and who's saying what. And oftentimes it doesn't, it's not evident who's saying what. In fact, what I read, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I read six different commentaries and listened to three different messages that uh, on this portion of scripture. And if I'm not mistaken, every one of them said something at least a little bit different about who said what, when, who went, what, where, where, whatever. But it's, that's the complication. That's what makes it hard to interpret. What makes it so difficult is this. I, I think Brother Kenny, I spoke to about this yesterday. We, we, there's, there's a song, I don't remember the name of it, probably, Chris probably would know, uh, but we sing a song that he is, uh, he is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. We attribute verse 1 to Christ. And if that's the case in the song of Solomon, there's three main characters. You have Solomon, the Shulamite, which is a picture of the bride, Solomon, a picture of the world, and then you have the shepherd boy, who's a picture of the Savior, the good shepherd. With me? Yeah. So if that's the case, then the shepherd must be speaking in verse number one. The problem is this. I'm not so sure that he is. Yeah. I'm not so sure it's the shepherd that's speaking in verse number one. So I want you to go to me first of all, I'm going to get right in the message. Go to me if you would, the dialogue. I want you to understand this before we move any farther. We must make a distinction who's speaking, wait. Now, there's portions where we're going to be able to say, oh, that's the Shulamite speaking. And there's portions we're going to be able to say, oh, that's the shepherd speaking. But in verse number one, in verse number, especially verse one, it's really not clear. Really not clear which one is speaking where. They simply say, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the vines. And the truth is, it could apply to either one. So that's the first problem we did with the dialogue. Now, I want to look into it deeper. And I don't have time. I spent, I don't mean this conceited, but God, I've spent <coughs> probably a week and a half. I can't show you everything. Uh, but I, I want you to go back and study it for yourself, okay? And uh, it, it, I'm not going to be dogmatic about it, but after, after about a week and a half of looking at it, uh, here, here's the way this one that I really believe in. In my opinion, here's how I see it, all right? Now, I believe you can't make it uh, an application of the fact that he's the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys, uh, but I don't believe it's the shepherd right. I said the dialogue. Notice, if you would, not only the dialogue, but let's look at it deeper. Let's look at the descriptions. It's evident we said our text, the conversation between the Shulamite and the shepherd. We know that. Let's look at it together in terms of who's speaking where. Let's look at the descriptions. In verse 1, what's what your Bible said? I and the rose of Sharon, and the lily of the valleys. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Now in verse 3, we know the Shulamite speak. Is that right? What's what it said? I sat down, I sat down under his shadow, right? Yeah. Shulamite speaking, verse 3. 
Verse 1 and verse 2 comes, we're really not sure. Now, here's what I want you to see. Uh, in verse number 1, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. I realize this portion of Scripture is also attributed to Christ, and of course there is an application we'll talk about that. Uh, however, I really believe we'll see it's the Shulamite speaking. It's the Shulamite, it's the bride, the picture of the church, if you would, that says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Now, I don't have time to show you everything, uh, but bear with me, all right? Here, here's what I want you to see. If you study the region, the place of Sharon, not a whole lot said about it in Scripture, mentioned a few times, but every time Ronald it's mentioned, it's in some kind of association with flowers. Evidently, the region of Sharon was just overpopulated with flowers. Evidently, it was a place that had flowers everywhere. Everything you see in Scripture concerns something about flowers. Yes. And so when she said, I am the rose of Sharon, in our mind, we make that to be this beautiful thing. But I really think what she was saying is, I'm just common. Yeah, that's right. I really think that's what I really think about what she was saying was nothing special about yeah. me. And the lily of the not valley, valleys. That region, it was they say that it was very common for lilies <laughs> to grow in the valleys. Almost, almost like weeds. What they say? Yeah. What she was saying was, there's nothing special about right. that. I, I, if there's any beauty, he's about to tell her in chapter one how beautiful she is. She said, there's any beauty in me. I'm not saying about me. I'm just common. I'm just, I'm just ordinary. I'm just, I, there's nothing special. Now, I know, I know I'm stretching. I know you never heard it like this, but stay with me. That's what she's saying. I'm just common. Yeah. I may be a rose, but I'm in a place that's overflowing with flowers. And I may be, I may be a lily, but it's just like coming up in the back of it. She said, I'm gone. We see the way that the Shulamite views herself. Now, I want to say this. Over the years, I've seen it a lot within the church. That's how she pictures, by the way, the church. So common to hear things like, well, where is the little church? What could we do? There, huh? Don't, don't follow that with me. So common to hear things like, well, I just can't do, I, I couldn't do this for you. I, 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 I'm just not good. I've had people over the years tell me, Kirk, I've literally had people say, uh, I, I feel like that maybe we need Sunday school teacher, whatever the case may be, and say, well, preacher, I, I, I wouldn't mind doing something for him, but I'm just not worthy to do that. Uh, what they're saying is, like somebody else, I'm just not evil. There's nothing special about me. Is that right? Yeah. And that makes sense. It's a picture of the church. Before a man ever gets saved, he's first got to see himself wrong. Uh, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, John, above anybody else, we know what we were before we got saved. Yeah, yeah. We know what we are today. We know the things go through our mind, the things we deal with, the things we battle. And so a lot of times we find ourselves in a place where we feel unworthy, we feel uh, inadequate, we feel that there's nothing we can do. That's what this Shulamite girls are saying. I'm just common. I'm inadequate. You could do better than me. That's what she's saying in verse 1. I'm the rose of sharing the lily of the battle. So we see her view of herself. Watch verse 2. 
Now, what we find, I really believe, you don't have to agree with me, but what I really believe is we find a conversation back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So she says, I'm the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys. I'm just calm and nothing special about me. Notice what he responds to in verse 2. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. They say, preacher, you think it's him talking to her? i tell you what I think. Now, I don't, I told you it's going to be unusual. I, John, I, I don't like preaching messages like this. I don't. I like to be able to tell you this is what it is. But I'm, I'm being honest, Robert. Some of this, I'm going to have to say this is what I think. I'm really not sure. I'll be honest. But here's what I think. When he said, as the lily among the thorns, so is my love. I don't think he's talking about his emotion. That makes sense? Yeah. I don't think he's saying my love, my emotion, my feeling toward you is as a lily among thorns. I think what he's saying is as a lily among thorns, so is my love. Talk about a person. Yeah. Oh, do you see that? Yeah. What she, she said, I'm the rose of Sharon. I'm the lily of the valleys. Nothing special about me. Just common, just inadequate. You can do better than me. He comes back and says, Oh no. As a lily among thorns. What he was saying was, honey, it's not the fact that you're a flower amongst the flowers of Sharon. It's not the fact that you're one lily among other lilies. What he's saying is, You're one of a kind. You're special to me. As a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. He's saying, you're, it's just like a lily among briars and thistles and thorns. Yeah. What do you say? Oh, you never see that. We see that on how the Shulamite sees herself. That's how the church sees herself. But we see, in verse 2, we see how the shepherd viewed her. We see how the Savior views you and I. That excites me. I did it done. Yeah. You say, preacher, I feel it adequate. You don't know what I've done. Can I say if you could just for one moment see yourself uh, of the way that Christ sees you, uh, it'd blow your mind this morning. They're right. wrapped in grace and mercy and uh, wrapped in his righteousness. Uh, that's what the shepherd said. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the dogs. Yeah. Oh, we see the way he sees the, the Shulamite, the way Christ views the church. But that's not all that we see. Watch what he said. As a lily among thorns. Oh, that, that's beautiful to me. As this beautiful white lily among these thorns that are barren and bare. But those thorns interest me. We talked about it several times in the past. Was no thorns till after Genesis chapter 3. Did you know that? Thorns come as a curse for Satan. That lily, when you look at that word lily in verse number 2, it literally uh, carries the idea, you look up the actual Hebrew word, and it literally carries the idea of a white flower. That's what it means. He said, you're just like a white lily among thorns. The scripture teaches us that when you're saved, you're robed in the robe of in the Revelation. We'll see that. Anytime you see a white robe, it's talking about the redeemed, those that are saved, those that have been blood bought. We've been robed in a white robe of His righteousness. Right. And so He said, that When I see you, 
I don't see thorns and I don't see thistles and I don't. I'm I'm glad. I don't see sin. I don't see filth. And I certainly don't see anything common. But when I look at you, I see white. And I, I see purity and holiness and righteousness. That's what I see when I look at you. It's just like I'm living amongst thorns. Oh, my dear. Do you see that? Not only do we see that, not only do we see the way he sees the church, but we also see the way that he sees the lost this morning. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Looks at her, he sees a lily amongst thorns. The penalty, the curse of sin. We see, notice with me if you would, we see the view, of the, the shepherd's view of the Shulamite, verse 2. But we also see the Savior's view of the sinner. Notice the contrast between the shepherd's view of the Shulamite. And his view of the daughters of Jerusalem. Watch what he said in verse number two. As a lily among thorns, so that's a, that's a metaphor, that's an analogy. He said, As a lily among thorns, so is my love, talking about the Shulamite, among the daughters. Notice that the way he views the daughters of Jerusalem. The Shulamite becomes a picture of church, of the church. The daughters of Jerusalem become a picture of the world or the sinner. Compared to the Shulamite, he said, They're merely thorns. Now, literally, he shows us a great thing. Uh, the, the Song of Solomon is a beautiful book. It's a, it's a book of marriage. It's a book of love. It's a book of relationships. And what he's saying is, when I look at you, your, your beauty is far above all the rest. And boy, isn't that beautiful? But it shows us also the relationship between Christ and the church. And when he sees us, he sees the lily, the pure, the innocent, the holy, amongst thorns. Oh, my. Notice this, I've heard, because I really won't get on that. Uh, I'm just preaching my introduction right now. This, of course, does not imply that those who are saved are better than those that are not. That's not what I'm saying. I don't stretch the imagination of my saying this morning that uh, if you're saved, you're better than somebody. So that's not what I'm trying to imply at all. They simply have not been clothed in his righteousness. No. Truth of my Bible says, for all that sin comes toward the Lord. That's right. Yeah. One time or another, when he looked at me and he looked at you, everybody in this building, all he saw was thorns. The results of sin. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my, but now, those that are saved, he sees a lily among thorns. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Isn't that lovely? I mean, a lily among thorns. Watch this. I got hurt. Watch this. Notice. Uh, when he looks at them, he sees thorns and thistles, part of the curse of sin on the earth. He sees their sin. That's a, do you realize this morning, if you're saved, the beauty of that? That when he looks at us, she said, I'm just common. I'm not worthy. I know who I am. What she was really saying, Sharon, just to be honest, she said, I know who I am, and you could do better than they. Right? But he said, when I look at I see a lily among the thorns. My, my, my. That, that excites me. I, I don't think you and I, I don't think the principle this morning is for you and I to lose our humbleness. I don't think it's the principle is for you and I to lose the fact we feel unworthy. I think it's a pretty good place for us to be. But let's not forget when he looks at us. Do you realize tonight, uh, this morning I pick on John, let's just imagine for a moment just, just pick something in your mind, John. You don't have to tell nobody. Just between you and the Lord. Pick something you're absolutely ashamed of. You hate anybody in this church tonight. Do you realize this morning that if we could bring the Lord standing right before us, and John could say, 
Oh, please, I don't want you to bring this up. What did he say? I don't see nobody. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's been paid for. Mm -hmm. Right. That's gone. Been removed. Oh, I, I've heard people say, I've heard people say it's been covered. No, it's been, it's gone. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's, it's over. God doesn't bring it to our remembrance. We bring it to our remembrance. Right. That's right? yeah. that Shulamite. She said, I'm not worthy. You could do better. What he said was, I don't see that at all. Oh, my, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. That we been, we're so saved this morning. We are so redeemed that God, eh, who knows everything, eh, does not even remember our sin. Eh? Yeah. Because when he looks at us, eh, he does not see our sin, our faults, right. and our failures. Eh? But as a lily among thorns, eh, he sees the righteousness eh, of his darling yeah. son that's been imputed on our behalf. That's beautiful. Right. Right. We see his, the way the Shulamite looks at sin. The way the shepherd sees the Shulamite, we see the way the Savior sees the world. The only difference this morning uh, between the daughters of Jerusalem and her in the typology is this. They've not yet accepted the free gift of salvation. And they have them. If you're here this morning, you're lost. You say, preacher, he looks at me. They're seeing that he sees I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. Can I say that uh, within a moment, just by accepting the grace of God, you can be a lily among thorns this morning. Isn't that right? Watch this. Then notice in verse 3. Notice the Shulamite's view of the shepherd. We see how she sees herself. We see how she sees, how he sees her. We see how he sees the daughters of Jerusalem. But now let's see how she sees him. Watch this. Verse number 3. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so was my beloved among the sons. That's <coughs> wonderful. The apple tree, we know, we know it's her speaking. Her beloved among the sons. She's comparing him to all the other men. Isn't that right? Watch what she said. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood. The apple tree would have been extremely, extremely rare in that region. Would have been almost unheard of. Ron, it would have been mind-boggling to come across an apple tree. The best thing she knew to say was this. As an apple tree among the trees of the wood. What she was saying was something unheard of. Something unprecedented. Something unlike any other. In comparison, be like a common tree of the wood. That right? She said, as much higher as the apple tree is compared to trees you see every day. That's how my beloved is amongst the sons. Do you see that? Oh, listen, when she saw herself, she said, I'm just common, just unworthy. Nothing special about me. But when she talks about him, she said, He's like an apple tree amongst the trees of the wood. Now, I don't think you and I are grasping that. One commentator said, most likely, she'd never even seen an apple tree. Could, could you say it like this? What she was saying was, I ain't never seen nothing. Yeah. Is that right? What she was saying was, he's unlike any other. Could you say it like this? She was saying, he's extraordinary. 
amazed by him. He's extraordinary. Notice not only the descriptions, but notice if you would, verse 3, notice her delight. As she says he's like an apple tree among the trees of the wood. Now she's going to tell us why he's like an apple tree. Watch this. The Bible said, I sat down under his shadow with great delight. Notice this. He's like, preacher, what do you mean? Notice his protection. She said, he's like an apple tree among the trees of the wood. She said, it was in him I sat down under his shadow with great delight. But you out in the hot sun, you know what you'll do? You'll find, remember when I was a little boy, I'd go out with daddy, my grandpa, and they'd be working in hay or whatever the case may be. Uh, you couldn't do this now if you want to, but uh, I, mean, I was just a little old bitty fella. Uh, they, I'd ride the track. We'd get there and he'd set me off. He'd say, now you play right here. We're going to be way down there undercutting and rolling and railing hay. Uh, I'd stay there all day long. Right. Now, I wouldn't even see them until lunchtime, maybe. And I'd sit there all day. It'd get to get hot. You know what I'd do? I'd look for me a shade tree. Right. And I'd go sit underneath that tree, sun of beating that at hot. And I, but I'd sit underneath that shade tree and I'd sit in its shadow, its shade. Uh, and I'd find protection. Yeah. yeah, that's what she's saying. It's in him that I I sit under his shadow with great delight. Oh, there's a lot we can say uh, there. Uh, the Bible said, uh, "Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands." I'll say this: she sat under his shadow. Right? Yeah. She didn't try to rise above him. She sat under his shadow. She said she did it with great delight. Oh, y'all like, see, I just threw that in there so y'all would like it better when I get talking about Christ again. Uh, she said, hungry, hungry, shut up. With great delight, it's in that she found her protection. Yeah. That is biblical, by the way. Why, it's mixed up to your own husband as unto the Lord. Isn't that right? Yeah. Watch this, she said, under his protection. Notice what your Bible said, verse 3. Not only was she protected in his shadow, uh, what a picture of our relationship with Christ. In him we find our protection and our peace. Notice in verse 3, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. She said, I sat under his shadow with great delight. Now, if you sit underneath the apple tree, you know what's going to happen. You're going to sit there, not going to sit there too long. You're going to get an taste some apple. Right? You can't sit under an apple tree without tasting a walk. All right? 
The picture is, she said, I sat under it, with, I sat under this tree, and the shadow, and the, the, the fruit was sweet. We know it's his provision. What she was saying was this. She said, I'm satisfied. Said, right, no complaints come out of her mouth. She said, while well, he was protected, oh, can I say something? Oh, my, what plan on going here? Uh, but I, I'll just say it since we've been mentioning it. She wouldn't have found his provision had she not first found his protection. Right. Had she not been willing to submit to him, said under a shadow with a great delight, she probably wouldn't have enjoyed the fruit. All right? Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, could we say it? Maybe. Can I say this just quickly? God made a man and woman different. Mm -hmm. All right? Yeah. He did. God, don't fall out with me. God made a man and woman different. And I'm talking about more than just physical things. Uh, she's the weaker vessel. And the problem is, now don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be sexist. Don't, don't you rise up on me. But the thing about it is, women's rights and equal rights are one of the most dangerous things you'll ever go up with. Now, I'm not talking about not voting. I'm, I, I I'm not saying that. But not everything a man can do, a woman ought not to do. Right. They're right. Yeah. And God, I'm not designed to do everything my wife can do. They're right. Is that not right? Mm -hmm. And the problem is this morning, we've got a lot of couples missing out on the blessings of each other because they're trying to do the wrong thing. I'm not saying, kids, she's less than Look at how, I'm not saying he wrote with an iron. Look at what he said about it. Yeah. As a lily among farmers. So is my loving one to God. He loves her. Right. Uh -huh. yeah. But it wasn't that she sat under the shadow of great delight. Let him protect her. Right? Yeah. And then she said his fruit was sweet to my taste. Yeah. Oh, listen, she'd been trying to protect herself. She might never found the fruit. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. What I'm saying is there's a reason for the order that God they have. And not only the marriage relationship, but in our relationship with Christ, we got a lot of people this morning. I talked to a lady the other day, and she told me about it, that her church is looking for a pastor, and she was telling me uh, they had a fellow come a while back, and he preached, and uh, she, said, she said, he's a nice fellow, seems like everything's going good. She said, but just be honest with you. She said, I think he's trying to preach in his own power, his own, his own ability. You know what that results in? He's not enjoying the first. Right. Yeah. He's never submitted. If that's the case, I don't know. I'm going to use an example. If he's never submitted himself to sit under Christ uh, and be subject to him, no, uh, he's not going to experience the fruit of the power of God. It's just not going to happen. Right. All right. Mm -hmm. She sat under, found his protection. Then she found his provision. She said his fruit was sweet to me. What's this? Sweet to my taste. Among all others, she found her satisfaction in him. His fruit was sweet to her taste. Among all that the world has to offer us in Christ, we're satisfied. Psalm 34, 8, listen to what your Bible says. I'm going to hurry. The Bible says, Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. She had to first trust him for protection. Now, then she found that his fruit was sweet to the taste. The psalmist said, Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. We see the relationship between Christ and the church. Notice the, the desire in verse 4. I'm hurrying. Watch what your Bible says, verse number 4. Watch this. 
He brought me to the banquet house. And she's telling us, he's like an apple tree, most trees of wood. His, his shadow protects her, his fruit sweet to the taste. But now she says, he brought me to the banquet house. You say, preacher, what's that talking about? What can I say? Yes, he brought her. Notice in this desire, notice the placement. He brought her to a place of fellowship where they can feast together. Now that may not help you, but that helps me. My, my, my. God, I know where I was with your family. I deserve to be in hell. But he brought me to the banquet house. He brought me to a place with, he brought her. That means he went with her. They're in fellowship. And he brought her to a banquet house where they could sit together and fellowship together and feast together. That, oh, Sometime or other, we're going to have to look at the peace offering in the book of Leviticus. How that it brings peace between God and man. And we all sit together at the same table. That's what's pictured in the peace offering. That's what he's done. He's brought us to the table together with him to feast and fellowship one with another. We've got a Bible in our hands this morning where we can sit and feed on the word of God together with him. We have access by prayer to enter in to the very presence of God. And we're able to go to the banqueting house and feast together. Look what your Bible said. He brought me to the banqueting house. What's this? And his banner. Let me read it for me. And his banner over me was love. Notice the portrayal. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I found this interesting. Solomon, of course, in, the, in our story, in the book, in Song of Solomon, Solomon is, uh, he's also infatuated with this, with this Shulamite. And they tell me that over Solomon's table would have been known with this wonderful, elaborate banner. Most likely, they say, would have contained the, the Star of David. Would have shown Solomon's power, his authority, the fact he was the son of David. Every leader had some kind of banner, flag, if you would. It was a sign to show their power, their authority, their greatest accomplishments. But what she said was this, his banner over me was love. That's interesting. That of uh, any of his accomplishments, any of his things, anything he could have claimed to, wasn't it? She said, His banner, when they come to this place of feasting, fellowship, she said, His banner over me was love. Now, I got to think about that. I'm going to say a few things I've heard. Uh, what a picture of Christ. All that he is and all that he does. Now, listen, my father will say this. I, I've heard I've heard messages preached about uh, creation. And he did. All things were made by him for him. And by him all things consist. He is the creator. Right? Absolutely. We can talk about we can go back and look at all the all the pre incarnate appearances of Christ talking about all the things that he did. Boy, that's a wonderful preaching. I enjoy doing it. But you know what really, really, I don't mean this emotionally. You know what really will stir a church up? And what will really get to the heart of a sinner? You get talking about how you love sinners. Is that right? 
One old preacher, wise man, told me years ago, he said, take any text you wish. But he said, once you take it, make a beeline for Calvary. You know why? There's just something about the fight we love us. Just something about the Bible said we love him because he first loved us. There had, but God commenced his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Over and over again we see his lives. The crowning act of Christ was not creation. It was the redemption of Right? Yeah. It was not the fact, it was not his labor creation. It was his love and redemption that is his credit. And she said, oh, his banner above me was love. What she was saying was this you can't be around him. You can't get near him. You ain't gonna talk to him without finding out he loves you. Yeah. Right? I'd say. One writer said that Solomon, I told you a minute ago, above Solomon's table would have been the star of David because Solomon would have been proud of the fact that David was his father. If that's the case, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to if it is or not. But if that's the case, I'd say every time somebody sit down, Solomon would say, you say David was my father? Man after God's own heart. Brought the heart back. God anointed him long before he saw what God's came back. My, my father, he's heard it, but he's proud of it. Well, if that's the case, give me this. Every time she sits down with a shepherd, say, if I told you I love you, do you remember I love you? Oh, you only get that argument. That excites me. Seems like he ever knows that book. I'm reminded he loves me. Seems like every time I find myself on my knees, it reminds me he loves me. His banner over me is love. Oh, yes, I know. Even when he chastises us, it lets us know that he loves us. And we're, a, we're the Bible said we're a, we're a son and not a bastard. He loves us and he chastises us. And he reminds us constantly his banner over us is love. Isn't that right? Watch this. I got to hurry. I'm going to quit, I promise. Watch this. This relationship, we see the portrayal in his banner. Notice the passion. Notice this really where I won't get right here. I'm going to give you my title now. All that's been introduced. I'm give you my title. Verse number five, I'm going to preach on this song. Lord, help me. For I am sick of love. Watch what your Bible said. Stay with me, flagons, comfort me with apples. For I am sick of love. Notice the passion. The word flagons literally means dried raisin cakes. So she's saying, stay me with flagons. Give me dried raisin cakes to, stay, to, to keep me. Watch this. Comfort me with apples. Oh, there's those apples again. For I am sick of love. Now she's not saying I'm done with love. She's not saying love makes me sick. What she's saying is this. Now, now, ladies, you stay with me. What she's saying is, I'm so in love, I feel faint. What she's saying, I'm so overwhelmed, I feel lightheaded. That's what she's saying. I'm so in love with him. Give me, give me, give me these raisin cakes for energy. Give me apples. Kirk, you, you know something about your sugar and your glucose. I remember when I was in school, they called it, uh, is it hypo or hyper? Hypo, 
hypoglycemic. That's what they said I was. Said my metabolism went so fast and so hard that I sometimes basically I eat all the sugar up in my in my body and I pass out. And that's why I had to. Uh, the, and so I remember several times I'd come to and lay on the gym floor, whatever the case may be. And the, here they come. They have some kind of. They bring raisins and they bring orange juice and these things that naturally got it up when you felt faint, when you felt weak. It was a. That's what she's saying. She said, "I'm so in love with him. I just feel weak. Uh, I'm so in love with him." It's overwhelming. Uh, I'm sick of love. Uh, do you see that? Uh, oh my, that's beautiful. The relationship between Christ and the church. Uh, uh, no wonder he said his strength is made perfect in weakness. Uh, uh, the more I fall in love with him, the weaker I realize I am. Uh, and the more enamored I am at his strength. Uh, she said, I'm faint. I'm weak. Uh, I'm sick of love. Yeah. The only thing that can cure, she said, bring me the flag with dried raisin cakes. Watch what your Bible said. Watch this. I love it. Watch what your Bible said. Comfort me with apples. Go back to verse 3. What she say? He was the apple tree. You know what she was saying? I'm sick of it. I'm faint how much I love him. And the only cure there is is him. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, she said, I'm faint that I love him so much. Uh, and the only cure is him. Uh, uh, oh, I, I love him this morning. Can I just say that? Uh, I just love him this morning. Uh, the more I fall in love with him, the more I love him. Uh, and the more I see that he loves me, the more I love him. Uh, I love him. I love him this morning. Uh, and most of all, he loves me. Uh, I'm sick of love. Uh, and he's the only answer this morning. That's what she's saying. Which the Bible said, verse 6. I'll quit. I promise. Verse 6. Watch this. Verse number 6. The Bible notice the possession. Watch this. She said, His left hand is under my head. And His right hand doth embrace me. Oh, my. Notice the possession. Come here, Kim. Come here, this man. I'm not trying to be graphic. I promise. But I'll show you something. Here's what that word, I got to show you what that word means. She said, I'm weak. I'm weak of love. I'm sick of love. Comfort me with apples. Verse 6, she said, his left hand is under my head. Support her. Mm -hmm. right? She's weak. And with his right hand, he doth embrace me. Now you think that means he's hugging her. That's not what it means. That right hand embracing, that's, that's power. Right hand's power, authority. That word embrace Literally, here's what it means. To trace a face. That's what it means. What she's saying is this. He's got me, left hand supporting me. And with his right hand, his power, authority, he's tracing. Go ahead and get in that, are you? He's a tracing. Tracing her lips. Tracing her eyebrows. He's enamored with her. Is that right? Yeah. He loves her. He's, he's supporting her. She's sick of love. She's weak. Uh, she's weak in the knees. Uh, you know what he's doing? He's comforting her. And the way he's doing that, he's just as enamored. He's taking possession of her. Not only is he hers, but now he's saying, you're mine. In fact, that word embrace means to, it means to trace the outline of a face, uh, but it also means to touch uh, as your own. Is that right? Yeah. Don't, 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 don't fall out with me. But I wonder if maybe what he's saying is this. She's holding, he's supporting her neck. He's holding her behind her head. 
He's tracing her face. And he's saying, you're mine. I love you. I love your eyes. I love your nose. I love your lips. I love the way your forehead crinkles up when you cry. I love the way your hair falls across your face. You say, oh, preacher, he wouldn't be saying that. Read the song of song. Yeah. Right? He told her in what place you have eyes as a dove. Uh, are you with me? Uh, as a dove. Uh, uh, he, he's tracing her face. Uh, he's holding her. He's sitting down. He's letting her know you're mine. Uh, he's taking possession. Uh, he's comforting her and supporting her uh, and embracing her uh, and letting her know she's here. Right. What's verse 7? Boy, I like this. Do you see the progression? Now we went from verse 1. She said, I'm the rose of Sharon and the other eyes. I'm just calling. And now he's holding her, he's supporting her head, tracing her face, and telling her she's his. Watch what she says in verse 7. She's going to say something, but it's not to him. She's going to speak, but she's not going to talk to him. Watch what she said. Watch this. Verse 7. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the roads, by the hinds of the field, that you stir not up, nor wake my love till he please. That's not strange. He's holding her and embracing her. They're, they're in love with each other. And all of a sudden, she's going to talk to somebody else. She's going to talk to the daughters of Jerusalem. The very ones, Chris, he's going to tell her she's far above them. They're high. Notice the details here. Here's what I mean. You know what happens in relationships? We talked about, we see submission, we see subjection, we see the pattern that God laid out. But it ends in verse 7 with her telling the other women, don't stir him up, don't make him rise. What she's saying is, don't bother him till he pleases. What she's saying, till he chooses to get up. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of reverence. She said, Do as he would want. Can I say that's what the biblical power of the relationship is like? Mutual respect. I preached one night several years ago. I preached at Ephesians on the role of the husband and the wife and tied it in to the, to the church. There was, was a lady there that got so mad that night. I mean, she was mad. And she told me, she said, I want my husband to respect me. I don't want to be a doormat. But can I say this? The biblical pattern brings respect. Mm-hmm. The shepherd respected her. We see her respect him in verse 7. She said, don't wake him. Don't stir him. Till he please. She, John, she submitted to him. He didn't force her to do that. She wanted to show him respect. Kenny talked this, talk this morning on why, why did we come to church? What gives us that desire? Well, I tell you what it ought to be. It ought to be the fact this morning. Now, listen to me. What ought to be the fact, by the time we realize how much he loves us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I've been to church before where I went because I loved him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But when those hard times come, yeah. those difficult times come, 
Those nights, he would come back where it'd be so much easier just to stay at the house. Right. You know what just drives us? Our respect and reverence for the fact he loved us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, my. I thought that I'd go here back. There's like there's a pretty good draw right there. Can I say this? So many times we say it as a joke, but there's a lot of seriousness in it. So many times, you ever heard somebody say this? Somebody say, I just don't feel like whatever. And somebody will say, boy, I sure am glad the Lord didn't say I don't feel like going to Calvary. We say it as a joke. There's a lot of truth in it. Boy, I sure am glad that day went to Calvary. Yeah, yeah, I'm not picking on God. I'm just going to use an example. I sure am glad that day went to Calvary. He didn't say, well, I've got a bad day today. They beat me and they took the flesh off my back. I just don't feel like walking up Calvary. See, you like, Lord, all his love for me, what drove him to go that? It'd be the yeah. same thing drive us to go. The fact he loved us, right. our relationship ought to bring a respect, a reverence. Can we say it like this? A fear. That doesn't mean we're afraid of him. That means we respect him and reverence him. In order to bring a reverence, yeah. the fact that he loved us. Amen. That's what happened here in the heart. She said, don't, don't stir him up. Don't wake him up. He's been too good to me. Let's do something for him. That ought to be our desire. That ought to be the reason we want to do something for him because he first loved us. Oh, <laughs> what happened to her? They said progression. Attack starts out. She said, I'm just nothing. Just common. Boy, he gets her, shows her how he sees her. And when she sees that, we spend more time seeing how she sees him than we do how he sees her. Yeah. Her husband. Oh, that's the way it ought to be for us. Or never tire telling somebody how good he's been to us. Right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. May you say, preacher, I don't understand what you're saying. Well, maybe we don't speak like she does. Maybe, Noah, we're never going to come in here and say, just like an apple tree among the trees of wood. That may never come out of our mouth. I wouldn't, if I wasn't a preacher, I wouldn't speak like that. Uh, but can I say this? Uh, what I can say is, uh, he's unlike anybody else I've ever known. Uh, he came when nobody else loved me, he did. Uh, when nobody else could save me, he could. Uh, and he did. Uh, and he loves me. And I love him. Uh, or it never tired. Lord, bring a Lord, bring respect. Paul said, Book of Romans, I beseech you, brethren, let your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. What are you saying was this? Just reasonable. Just the decent thing to do. Oh, my. I don't, my watch is dead. I honestly don't know what time it is. I really don't. All right. But can I say this? I, I'm afraid in these days we've lost that. Yeah. Yeah. We've lost that. Somewhere along the way, we've lost it. My, may you say, preacher, why should you come to church? Can I be honest with you? It's just a reasonable thing to do. Yeah. Right. That, that really, three times a week, is that really that much to ask of you? No. Preacher, why should I read my Bible? Just a reasonable thing to do. Yeah. Preacher, why should I get my time to do? Just a reasonable thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't have enough respect for him. Yeah. Oh, it's dying, ain't it? It's a dying, it's a dying. I know it is. You say, preacher, why should I why should I go against my nature and submit to my husband? Because Lord asked you to. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boy, it's getting quiet. 
You say, preacher, you don't know what my husband's like. You're right, I don't. And I know what he's like. They're right. I'm just telling my opinion. It's what he's saying. You say, preacher, you ain't got no Bible for being faithful to have the I do. Forsake not the same sense. Forsake not the assembling sense together as a man of some meat. They're right. What we've come to assemble together. Oh my, y'all dying like crazy. Lord, have respect for him. Of course, she said, Watch this. What? Verse 7. Bible said, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose of my hands of field, that you stir not up and awake my love till he please. What she was saying was this Don't, don't make him wake up for you. Don't stir him up. Can I say this? There ought to be enough respect. That's what a relationship with Christ will do. I told you, a marriage relationship brings common mutual respect. The same thing ought to be said of Christ. John, the longer we're saved and the closer we get to him, the more we ought not have to question and fight and argue. The more we, I've seen that in, in my marriage. I really have. I remember when we first got married, everything was new. Right. Yeah. I, she, my mama, my mama, the only thing my mama folded and put in a drawer was my t like white t shirts wear when I was preaching, and my underwear and my socks. That was it. Everything else went to Everything else was hung down. Well, Kimber's mama folded all the t shirts, you know, like, that you wear out. Oh, Lord, we butted heads over that. I don't know how. I, I, tell her, I can't find nothing I'm going to wear. And she said, we don't have enough hangers. Hangers, hangers. I thought, I can't help it. I can't find it. But we ain't got enough clothes in space. But you know what I found? You know what I found? Everything's, neither one of us necessarily got it just exactly like we wanted. But we kind of met in the middle. You know what I found? We ain't talked about that in years. In years. Right? Now, it's not how my mom did it. Her mom did That's how we do it. Better be with the Lord. What she's saying is, don't wake him up, don't stir him up till he pleads, till he will. But I say this, there ought to come a point in your life where you simply obey the command of God. It amazes me. It amazes me. I'm not trying to grow up an invitation, but you have an invitation. Every message is for somebody. Mm -hmm. All right? Yeah. There's something stirred in your heart. It amazes me people sit there and say, well, maybe next time. Maybe next week. There ought to come a point where you've got enough respect for him that if he's not pleased, just make it right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That it's enough. Watch what she said, verse 7. One man. Verse 7. Uh, right here. Nor wake my love till he pleased. It wasn't first that there was a reason. Mm -hmm. It's just he pleased. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Oh, well, as good as he's been to us, no, he does not have to have a reason for me not to be right. Yeah. Yeah. He does not have to justify himself. Right. 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 Yeah. If he says, I shall not lie, I don't want to lie. Right. Right. You don't have because he said that. Mm -hmm. oh. yeah. If he comes by this morning and stirs in your heart and shows you something in your heart that I thought not be there, he doesn't have to justify it with a reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <coughs> he, oh, can I say this? He doesn't have to drag it up to where everybody knows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to come to 
That, that amazes me. That amazes me. I've actually had people over the years tell me, well, I think I can get by. God help us. He stirs in your heart. Just It's enough. He pleases. They're hungry. Uh, can I say something? I'll quit. I feel like we get somewhere right here. There's a difference between demands and convictions. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is that right? Yeah. If there's a direct command from God, it doesn't matter what it no, doesn't matter at all. Just, just do it. Yeah. His will is His word. Mm -hmm. Oh, but you know what I found? Is get closer to it. There's things. I give you an example. I've changed a little bit since the boys started fishing. I, I will a lot of times wear shorts fishing. But John, I, you know, I very, I never, I never, you'll never see me, well, I'm not going to say never, because I could come from fishing, but nine times out of ten, you're not going to see me out at Walmart or some other place. Now, I don't have a command about that, I don't have a, I don't have a chapter and verse, that's just my conviction. There, huh? And it doesn't bother John a bit. Yeah. There, huh? Yeah. There's a little The difference is, if there's not a clear command, the Lord speaks to your heart. And you say, well, preacher, there's no chapter and verse for it, but I feel like the Lord wants me to do or not to do something. Mm -hmm. What should I do? Do it because he wants it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Whether anybody else does it or not. Mm -hmm. It don't bother me, Tom, that you wear shorts have more prayer to you. Right. right. All right. <laughs> but if the Lord, I'm not saying he is, I'm just using an example. If the Lord wants to come by and tell you not to wear blue plaid shirts anymore, I hope you throw them all away just because he pleased. Uh, yeah. They're right. Mm -hmm. I know that silly. I'm just giving you an example. Should it not preachers are different? Different preachers uh, have different visions and different styles and all that. But ultimately, you know what we are to say? Lord, whatever your will is, that's what we want. Yeah. That means running five, or that means running five hundred. That's what we want. That means that uh, that means we have to listen. Mm. Cut me off. Cut me off.